Welcome to the New Books Network. Hi, everybody. My name is Geert, and this, once again, is NBN's Drugs, Addiction, and Recovery podcast. Um, I'm excited to be, to be joined today from Medellin, Colombia, by Dr. Javier Guerrero. Uh, hi, Javier. Thanks so much for coming. Hi, Geert. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me to, to the podcast. Hmm. Um, Javier published his research in 2020 with uh, Paul Grave Macmillan under the title uh, Narco Submarines, Outlaw Innovation and Maritime Interdiction in the War on Drugs. And it's, stu- it's studying criminal technology within its social ecosystem. Now, although the topic of your book perhaps is somewhat extravagant uh, in a first uh, sight, in a first view, you show in an excellent way, uh, I think, that the existence of narco submarines is only um, yeah, a symptom of the way the interaction between law enforcement and criminal organizations uh, works. Javier, um, before we get to the content of the of the book, could you maybe tell us a bit more about yourself professionally and what brought you to studying this this interplay between crime, law enforcement, and technological innovation? Well, um, I am a sociologist, basically, uh, and and then I moved to study, to do some science and technology studies. Uh, I, I went to Edinburgh and to do my master's uh, and then my PhD. I went there with a fairly idea of, fairly good idea of what I wanted to do um, to, to understand at that moment. A little bit innocent, I, I remember. Uh, but the, the way I started thinking about this, actually, I was working on trying to understand innovation in general in Colombia. Like I was trying to understand how how the system of innovation in Colombia works. And at that moment, I I, I remember it was like uh, by the end of the last decade, and and then I, I keep seeing this news about the the narcosops that they found in the Pacific or in the Caribbean. And I keep hearing about this and then was thinking like, okay, um, we are, the way I was thinking, like we are not a, a really uh, innovative country, uh, but then you find, and, and in this area, there's some people doing some things that at the moment seem to be pretty sophisticated. Then I find mm. out, well, they're not like that sophisticated but anyway the idea of a submarine to transport rock at that moment was like really interesting and then i would basically i just ask myself and, and my colleagues how do they build this stuff when where why who build this stuff so i started like trying to to understand as much as i can the phenomenon of 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 drug dealing and using narcosops and other technologies. So basically, I, I started from there. Started from from moving from from the kind of legal innovation, and then I moved completely to illegal kind of innovations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. Um, and and I when I was reading your book, I, I found that fascinating indeed. There that there was this uh, this innovation, these innovation processes going on by. Um, well, principally, you're focusing on these private users or private groups, uh, and also the law enforcement innovation. Um, and you you did different kinds of fieldwork to understand more about this. Um, could you tell us a bit more about what you did in terms of empirical research? And, um, yeah. That- 
Yeah, well, I, I started basically trying to read everything that was published about Narcosops, and, and I found out that uh, there wasn't really that much. Uh, and it, doesn't, it wasn't really that much in, in the sense of all technologies regarding drugs modeling. Like, at the moment, uh, it, it has changed a little bit, uh, but technologies in, in drug trafficking tends to, to be fairly in the background, like something that you use to transport drugs, but not really like an important topic of research. And, and, and that comes when people is transporting drugs, uh, um, moving drugs using airplanes or, or the so-called mules and all, all kind of, of transport. So there, there wasn't a lot of, of information about it. Like, and that was also like really interesting for me at that moment because there was a topic that wasn't the news, international news, local news, regional news, but there wasn't like a really people trying to understand what was happening with the phenomenon of, 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 of drugs modeling uh, regarding technology. So I began like trying to knock on doors of people I perceive at that moment that yeah, they might have some knowledge about this. So I went to the Colombian police, especially to the anti-narcotic police. Um, and then I went to the Navy and I went to the justice uh, ministry uh, at the moment to try to talk to people. And also I tried to, at that moment, try to, to talk with drug smugglers. Like I, I tried to, to find out my way to talk with drug smugglers. Uh, I started like trying to find my way inside jails in Colombia. That was like I uh, catch 22 kind of situations, so I couldn't talk to them. <laughs> but I was able finally to talk some with some retired drug smugglers in the north of Colombia, uh, in the in the region known as La Guajira. So I I managed like moving some contacts. Like I start like asking to everybody, do you my know someone who is in the drug business <laughs> and and you know like um, if, it, if the law of uh, um, you know milgram kind of stuff the small worlds so so yeah i i finally managed to to find uh, a cousin of mine who knew some people who might got be involved in the drugs business and he actually introduced me some to some people and those people introduced me to some others that were actually like in the drug drug business or where uh, during the 19th and and the uh, last decade. So then, because uh, the, the, I also wanted to like to see both both sides of the uh, of the binary, as I call it in in my book. I wanted to see obviously how drugs smugglers produce their ideas, produce their innovations, and um, and initially, I have to be honest, I wanted to go to the police and to the Navy just to try to find some information on how drug smugglers uh, do their stuff. But I find out that actually the police and the Navy are also, that is not so surprising when I say it right now, but I find <laughs> out that they actually obviously do a lot of stuff. Like in the, the, the daily job, they do a lot of stuff uh, regarding uh, innovation uh, in in the war on drugs. So 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 yeah. I started like I'm gonna use police and navy as secondary sources to find out how drug smugglers do their stuff. And I find I found myself actually doing one year and a half of field work with the Colombian police and the <laughs> Colombian navy uh, because I find uh, I it, it was really interesting 
how how they do and how they think and how they move uh, their the, the knowledge that they have uh, regarding how how uh, and also that possibility gave me like to to understand the phenomena of of innovations uh, as you mentioned you mentioned users and I thought well okay uh, drugs models are, are the users they, they produce their technology but they do not produce their technology in in an empty uh, ecology they produce their, their technologies because there's something going on and what is going on is not just the war on drugs but also like the daily day uh, work that the police and the navy uh, do so that that's what what I do so that, then I um, I spend some time on on the Pacific region of Colombia, um, on some Navy stations in Colombia. I went a little bit down south of the Pacific to Tumaco to interview people on the field, like they have been involved in in capturing uh, narcosops uh, in open sea or just in the shore. I went to Santa Marta and Cartagena also to interview people from the Navy, uh, and I went to the north of the uh, of Colombia to La Guajira to interview uh, some retired drugs modelers. Fascinating. Um, I, I I presume that that they must have given you a few interesting stories. Um, I I I also find it very. Um, I I didn't know that that you started out. Uh, not wanting to specifically research these um, these law enforcement actors, but in the end, ending up studying studying both sides of the equation, so to say. Um, and well, related to that, I guess a key point in your book is that you are you are sort of skeptical about this uh, this popular image or this image in the media that um, criminals, in a techn- technological way, are always a step ahead of, of law enforcement. Uh, and I, I well, I, I do relate this. I do recognize this this image, for instance, when thinking about technologies like encrypted communication tools or something. Uh, the criminals are always portrayed as really having this 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 advantage, this step ahead. But you say uh, that it's not this uh, eternal game of catching up that law enforcement is undertaking. Uh, you instead speak of a kind of a symbiotic relationship in this in this innovation could you maybe tell the listeners what what exactly brought you to this conclusion yeah i think was the, the actually the possibility of um of doing empirical work um with drugs models and and a lot of empirical work with the navy and the police like trying to see how actually they they do that and some of the um, which, which was really interesting is that some of the, uh, the the linear kind of evolutionary innovation in in drug smuggling technology or narcosub technology is quite not right because it's the, when when the media and and obviously also like in official documents they tend to portray like drug smugglers moving from from one point to to another and it's like a constant process of innovation but when i went to the field and started like looking at probably 100 ex- exemplaries of narcosops what i actually saw was like okay they said like a, there, there's no like an evolutionary, it's not like to say that the one 
uh, Narcosoft captured this year is better than the one that is, was captured last year. Because there is what you can see there is actually like a different kind of overlaps in the kind of things that they use to produce their technology. Like that, that was like the first insight. So in the side of the drug smugglers, what is happening is actually not a constant development of a particular technology. There is no, there is nothing here to, to say that rather than the media uh, kind of frenzy around technology and rather obviously than the kind of uh, political interest in the side of the army and the police to portray their enemies as uh, people who is constantly innovating. So that was like the kind of first insight. And the second insight was the, obviously the result of working with the Navy and the police. Like um, looking, for example, uh, sometimes the police demonstrated and, and the Navy demonstrated that there were that they were actually the people who were ahead of uh, drug smugglers and and actually drug smugglers have to somehow reply to the sort of to, to the innovation they perceive the the police and the navy were doing so what was actually happening was a combination of different types and different ways of doing things in both sides um and Seeing that from from a from a symmetric uh, asymmetric pers- perspective um, from from the uh, perspective of uh, science and technology studies provides, I could actually see uh, that uh, what I was happening was not this um, constant catch up um, um, arms race um, balloon effect that, that the, the kind of, of metaphors that are used to talk about um, the different kind of movement, movements in the war on drugs. So, mm-hmm. Okay, okay, I, uh, I understand, but um, you, you, so there's no linear or no constant process of innovation, but you still do speak of some kind of uh, innovation. So um, well, in the book you, show, you speak about pretty much 20 years or so of, um, of development with these narco submarines, 25 years. Uh, what developments did you did you see on the criminal side and perhaps on the on the uh, law enforcement side? Yeah, what what was interesting was probably to see how um, uh, the different developments move through time uh, because they actually yeah they do move through times, but obviously also uh, has that has a lot to do with with the development of um, Technologies outside the, the the ecology of the war on drugs, the, the socio-technical systems that are in place there. And for example, obviously the, the introduction of the GPS, like a really interesting thing. So people started using the GPS. Both both drugs models and the, and the Colombian Navy started using uh, GPS systems. So so that was uh, one of the things. But mostly, what you can see is uh, during those. 20, 25 years that I studied are some things that kept constant and some things change, but they do not change definitely. They can actually just disappear in any moment. And the thing that you saw in the past, like 
the Narcosov that you saw running in 1997 might appear again in in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, so, because obviously there's like this idea when you see it from from outside, uh, there's obviously there's gonna be um, uh, a better technology, uh, a, a new technology, uh, and the Navy is going to probably react at this point using the same kind of understanding of the development of, of technology that, that the drugs and motors are going to use better technology. But sometimes the better technology is not the new technology in the war on drugs. Sometimes the better technology is actually the, the old technology. If you use an Arkansas built on, on, on wood uh, only, it, it will be more difficult for the, for the radars and sonars to, to actually detect any, any trace of that Arkansas. So mm. that's why you can see the the Narcosov that was found in 1997, the model of of of, of building that Narcosov, the, the kind of materials that they use can be fine can be found again some years later, even if some years later also you can find some like really sophisticated Narcosov building Kevlar um, using like the latest uh, GPS technology, um, so you can find actually it's just a mixture of yeah, these different um, Technologies there. Mm, that, that is cool. That, that's uh, that's quite the observation. Um, and, and do you think because well, there there are some instances of, of captured narco submarines in Europe. Um, I, I heard some stories around Spain. Um, I guess in other places around the world as well. Uh, and in in my opinion, it seems like a, a very useful useful way to stealthily smuggle all these uh, different illegal goods i mean it's smart it's it's it's, it's small and and it's, the sea is large um, but your book um well as far as i i can see made it um as quite a specific colombian or perhaps um caribbean or pacific phenomenon uh, because dozens or maybe hundreds have been captured during the last decades, uh, why why is this so uh, um, so Colombia specific? Well, um, uh, when I was uh, researching for my book, I was actually just trying. Well, I was trying to finish a PhD um, first of all, and and when I was doing this, actually the phenomenon was mostly. Colombian, or at least the one that were captured. Um, there, was, there were some odd examples, like probably one in Spain and and, pro, and, and one in Ecuador, but there was a Colombian bill. Um, you can see that in the, in the, the kind of model that they, they captured. So mostly Colombians were involved in developing building and using narcosops. The other thing that I say in the book, which is basically just um just a kind of observation, uh, and as you said, the 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 idea of the narcosop is is free, pretty pretty much interesting because it's small. Uh, actually, it's slow, um, and the slowness is useful when you try to smuggle drugs. Um, in the sea because it doesn't leave any kind of wake uh, as the go fast boats do, so it's more difficult to capture from from air. 
and and Colombians came from a trend of actually using uh, the maritime routes um, since the early 90s to transport drugs. So what, what I also say there, like, is precisely this this moment in which the maritime interdiction began to be seen as the focus of um, the action uh, when the narcosops appear. Uh, and the narcosops appear as a kind of fairly good solution to the idea of, of transporting drugs in the sea. Um, they began to compete with go-fast boats, and they began to compete with um, cargo containers as the as the main method of transporting drugs um, using um, maritime routes. And obviously, unfortunately, at that moment, and it hasn't changed a lot, Colombia was producing um, a very important percentage of cocaine um, that was uh, being transported and Obviously, the whole um, situation with different groups trying to get an advantage of the money involved in transporting drugs um, also also um, made the solution kind of uh, a, a really good solution. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Um, and I, I, I found that uh, that a great a great focus of views. Uh, it's great that you mentioned that that it's not just about um, uh, competition or evolution, co-evolution uh, between uh, law enforcement and uh, drug trafficking organizations group, or groups, but also between these drug trafficking organizations. Um, how did you, how did you get to this, uh, to this realization? Was that through the interviews or, or differently? I, I am probably also like really interesting in terms of, of trying to de- develop in a new understanding of how uh, criminal organizations, whatever you want to call it, works. Because in the beginning, I was fairly influenced by the whole idea of the cartels. You know, we have this idea of the cartels coming from a long time ago, and and then we have this huge figure of the Medellin cartel and the Cali cartel and the uh, and the whole mythology around Paulo Escobar. So when I was growing up, I was seeing this this kind of understanding of drug trafficking, and obviously the um, law enforcement and the navy and the uh, and the army, uh, the whole government. They want to 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 understand and they want to portray, and they tend to portray uh, drug organizations as, as organized in, in in these big cartels. And then the whole theory says, okay, when they killed Paulo Escobar in 1993, and then when they uh, jailed the the bosses of, of Cali cartel, then what began to appear was a, a lot of, of baby cartels. Um, and baby cartels is a fairly I w- silly way to to name something. Because, <laughs> yeah, the, the uh, cartelitos. Yeah, the cartelitos. The, 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 very, the very same definition of a cartel is that it's big and that it's powerful and that it can control um, production, distribution, selling, security, uh, and so on, so on. So if you say something is a baby cartel, actually you're not saying anything. 
Um, <laughs> and then and then you can see that a different, like a theoretical approach appear in the, in the space. And then we stopped talking about baby cartels and cartelitos, and we began uh, talking about networks. Uh, but networks is also a little bit compli- a complicated way to, to understand drug smuggling. And especially since most of the theoretical approximations to network analysis, especially in, in criminality, implies some sort of rational decision making for those involved in the networks. So networks is not a way to understand uh, the technology, the, the, the technologies or the organizations, but networks are a way in which the people involved in drug trafficking are organized. That's obviously according to the, the, the main theoretical approaches. And I found that a little bit difficult to understand when or to trying to grasp when I went to do some fieldwork. First of all, because when I went to, to the Pacific and to the Caribbean, what you can find is like very different approaches to the same design, the design of narcosops. So I began asking myself how it is possible if you have uh, these kind of networks, rational networks, or whatever you want to call them, producing so many different um, designs uh, with that kind of variation that will imply some sort of coordination, probably, that will imply some sort of uh, uh, things that I, was, that, that I wasn't seeing on the field, that the people were not uh, telling to me, like, how do they build this stuff? Uh, so so I, I started to, to doubt on those those approximations yeah that, that, that's, that's interesting that that um that would also be a, a question of mine uh, because you you say that there are many benefits to this uh, this network approach uh, when it comes to criminal criminal organizations or crime um what, what what would you say because i understand your critique what, what would you say that are other helpful models um when it comes to uh, drug-related networks, um, apart from the, of course, the classical hierarchical pyramids, such as the cartels, uh, and beyond the the network analysis. I think we have to continue understanding or trying to understand networks, but not in a way um, in which are currently understood. Not in a way in which some people decide to organize themselves as networks. <clears throat> Not in a way in which some, um, some nodes in the networks have uh, this kind of power decision-making um, in which are currently portrayed. And, 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 and you know how uh, then the, the theories of, of interdiction then approach this, and that if you capture this particular node, the, the network is going to disappear. And I will say and that you have to understand that a network doesn't work in an empty situation. Networks are connected to different um, to different sites. Uh, so a particular 
criminal network is not alone there doing their stuff um, apart from the rest of society. Actually, they have connections um, with banking, finance, commerce, um, and also um, it is important to, and I think it's the, one of the main arguments of my book, to understand the role of technology in the whole building of the criminal networks. Because technology has been left aside um, of, of this understanding, and I think they play a crucial role. Um, I, I tend to think that without um, the development of these kind of, of technologies, probably the networks, um, well, they obviously have to find another shape um, to, to perform their, their actions, but we would have a pretty different outcome of the war on drugs, uh, at least in the last 20, 15 years. Yeah, makes sense. Definitely makes sense. Um, thanks for the for the also the theoretical elaborations. Uh, that's always the hard part when it's uh, about these concrete uh, uh, empirical uh, empirical phenomena. Um, before before we end the interview, is there is there any any conclusion from the book perhaps that um, that that we are, we have missed so far, or perhaps uh, a juicy a juicy anecdote? that you can share? Um, well, oh, I think there are a lot of anecdotes uh, <laughs> when it comes from, from this and, and from field work. But I, I always like to, to, to talk about uh, like how, how the, actually the people from the Navy um, do, do their work and, and how they also are able to, to, to develop their, their own technologies. For example, I talk about, I talk about the, the whole go fast boats that the Navy uses and how they transform the, the boats to try to, to catch the drug smugglers, even, even if their superiors are, are not allowed uh, to, uh, are, sorry, they do not know, that the superiors do not know what the people in the field are doing. Uh, and sometimes that get, get actually uh, reprehended for, for changing uh, the boats without asking their superiors. Um, also, I might say that this tr try to um, like um, when we are understanding the technologies, and this is something that I that I saw. You, you kind of mentioned it at some point. At what we actually see are the narcosops that have have been have been captured. Like that, that, that those are the the the, the kind of uh, Artifacts that we actually see that I talk about in the book, but there are probably some others out there that we that are so good uh, that we do not uh, we do not see it. Um, we don't we do not find them um, like in the news. We probably the navy does not know a lot about them. Um, so yeah, that's that's a risk when talking about this kind of technologies that are in the dark, that are in the in the gray zones. That you are only talking about the kind of specimens, uh, sorry, the artifacts that have been captured. Um, that is something to take to take into consideration. Yeah, that's always the hard part for social scientists studying techno uh, studying cr criminality. There's uh, 
especially when you depend on police statistics or, or other you know, observations, it's always going to be a, only an approximation of, of the actual situation. Yeah. yeah th- thanks for sharing. And, and I, I, yeah, we didn't speak much about that part, but uh, the organization of these law enforcement or uh, law enforcement agencies, uh, you, I guess you suggest that there's a lot of innovation going on on the operational levels uh, and th- that the strategical levels know much less about that uh, that's indeed interesting uh, maybe uh, we spoke uh, a little bit before the interview and you told me that uh, actually after completing the study you sort of moved on beyond narco subs uh, could you share with us uh, what you are working on right now? Well, I'm, I'm uh, working with a colleague in the University of Edinburgh and trying to develop a, like a new understanding of the kind of, on the whole theoretical approximation on, on, on the technological um, technology in the, in the war on drugs. We are working specifically trying to understand the, the infrastructure and how the whole infrastructure um, of drugs more smuggling is possible and how this infrastructure is embedded in in the bigger infrastructure of, of global commerce mm-hmm. so we are trying to understand the role of airports uh, in in the drug smuggling process there there have been actually um, a lot of um, academic studies on, on airports um, especially in drug smuggling in, in Europe but we are not trying to understand like a specific technologies. We're trying to understand the, the more uh, theoretical uh, approximation um, on on how these infrastructures are embedded um, and how do they work and how do they manage to appear, disappear, um, and, and so on. Uh, that's that's great. Uh, it's good to hear that there's so much um, depth behind these these uh, sensational phenomena. So. Thanks for sharing that and it uh, gives us something to look forward to. Javier, thanks so much for your time. And uh, once again, Narco Submarines, Outlaw Innovation and Maritime Interdiction in the War on Drugs was the study. Um, and we're looking forward to future projects. Um, speak to you next time, uh, Javier. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, Javier. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.